0: Our Bibles are open to Deuteronomy chapter 31 this morning, Deuteronomy in the 31st chapter. If you um, need a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you, and you'll find our text that we'll be reading here in just a moment on page 161, 161 in the church Bible, and uh, join us there. We are continuing and about to wrap up. Uh, this great series in Deuteronomy, great book of the Bible, I hope the series has been very helpful, been very meaningful to you because uh, I've never preached an exhaustive type of series through the book of Deuteronomy, and boy, it's a game changer. We understand as we read Deuteronomy, though there's a lot of repetition in Deuteronomy, which is why we've kind of moved around instead of going through it chapter by chapter by chapter because much of it thematically is Moses as a good preacher, Uh, repeating because he knows his audience is never going to get it quite the first time. Somebody say amen. So there's a lot of repetitive material there, and so we're kind of uh, moving through it with a fine comb and pulling out some deep uh, thematic material that hopefully will make a difference and has made a difference right where you are. I'm going to talk for a few minutes this morning on the subject of transitions. Transitions. Transitions are an inevitable part uh, of life. And they tend to happen pretty regularly across the year. Uh, the year, You know what I mean when I talk about a transition, don't you? Uh, a, a transition is a process of change or a process from one state of being to another uh, as you go throughout the various stages of your life. It happens in many particular disciplines. For example, uh, on the basketball court, A team goes into transition when the defensive team rebounds the basketball, turns the other way, and begins to move speedily up the court. The guy calling the play-by-play will usually say, Vandy is now in a time of transition, and they're moving the ball up the court. Amen. And Vandy will win the game without any question because it's basketball and not football. Can I have an amen? I was talking to my friend Allison Bailey just yesterday. Allison is a wonderful actress on the Broadway stage. Y'all know Allison, don't you? I, Judy and I saw Wicked when it was on Broadway years ago, when Allison was about eight years old. And uh, but she's the one that put it on the map. Amen. And I was talking to her the other day, and I got to thinking: this happens in acting companies all the time. Usually when the curtain goes down. She had been on stage in a yellow frilly dress. Then when the curtain goes up again, she's in a big hoop skirt. That happened during a time of what? Transition. Sometimes they'll give you an intermission if they need a lengthier period of time. But in those times of transition, everything changes. Costumes change, music changes, the set changes. Businesses go through a time of transition. Just ask Twitter. Elon Musk is now taking the thing over. And he's fired about a third of the top executives, telling them to hit the road. Policies have changed overnight. Would you say Twitter is in a time of Transition. transition? Absolutely they are. And companies, those of you that work for years for the same company, know you've been through seasons of transition. Product lines change, personnel changes. It's a very common part of everyday life. More practically, it happens to you and me as a part of our life very regularly, In fact, here's the thing. I think that life, if you want a definition of what life is, one definition could be life is a series of transitions, inescapable transitions from the time you're born until the time you die. Some of y'all are going through transitions right now. I mean, think about it. There's a transition from birth to childhood, the transition from childhood to adolescence, the transition from adolescence to teenage years, the transition from teenage years to adulthood. There's the transition from the single life to the married life. There's the transition from being married with no kids, dinks as they used to be called, double income, no kids, (laughs) to having kids running around all over the place. Then there's the transition from having kids to being empty nesters. Some of us have lived through that. To the wonderful transition of being empty nesters to being grandparents. Somebody say amen. There's the transition from being married to being single again. The transition from life in the present age to life in eternity. Am I preaching the truth today? Life is a series of inescapable transitions from the time you're born to the time you die. Some of those transitions can be really good, (laughs) like when you get out of a toxic relationship of some kind. And then some of them are really hard. The ones that are hard are hard because they involve what? Change, which is something that most of us really don't like. But like it or not, transition is coming because that's what life is. A series of inescapable transitions from the time you're born the time you die what's important is how you respond to them and you make the choice we talked about making wise choices last week with respect to life and death well you need to make wise choices when it comes to how you handle the transitions of your life that inevitably are going to meet you Deuteronomy chapter 31 records an inevitable transition about to take place in the life of the nation of Israel it's a transition that involves a movement of leadership that represents the end of one era and the beginning of another. And what's at stake here is how both the leaders who are involved and the people who are involved respond to this time of inevitable change in the life of the nation. I think it's a good time to stop for just a moment and read our text. And so notice it with me here in Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to read the first eight verses or so. I'll invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, those of you that are able to do so, and just read it together with me from your word or as it appears on the screen. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, into their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong <coughs> and courageous, for the Lord, uh, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Verse 23, and the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. Father, what a great promise from your word today that all of us need to hear. Thank you for your everlasting presence with us, even this side of heaven Thank you that when you move in, you move in to stay, and thank you that perfect love cast out fear. May those promises um, mean much to us today, speak to our hearts, change us from within, that we may shine the gospel light in the way that makes a difference through our community and our world for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, church family. You can be seated. <clears throat> like it or not, change is coming. And when it does, I want to give you three very important perspectives for your life, your family, when it's time to transition. The first thing I would say is when it's time to transition, you need to just move on from the past. Because the past is behind you and you're not going to be able to change anything about it. Now, moving on from the past may not happen all at once. You don't just say, you know what, I'm moving on from the past. Well, that's, you know, a nice sentiment. And it may take some time to move on from the past, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen intentionally, even though oftentimes it needs to happen methodically. Look again at verse number two. The Bible says, Moses said to the people, I'm 120 years old today. I'll never be able to say those words. I'm pretty confident. I'm not sure that I really want to. Somebody say amen. But he said it. I am no longer able to go out and to come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. You know what God is communicating to Moses there? It's time to transition. That's what he's telling him. I've often wondered what's going through the mind of Moses The most revered leader in the history of the people of Israel. What was going through his mind as he faced this incredible transition in his life? Maybe he looked back and wondered what might have been. The Lord just told him, again, you've brought the people right up to the edge, but you won't be going in. Can you imagine There is a little bit of a degree of resignation, I think, in the voice of Moses here. Do you think Moses wanted to go into the promised land? Of course he did. So you can hint the sense of resignation, and some say it's even a degree of bitterness here. Because Moses was, you know, kind of second only to God. Very revered in the eyes of the people, and not without good cause. Man, he's lived a good long life when he utters these words. And, you know, as you look back over the history of Moses, his life neatly divides into equal thirds, 40 years apiece. His first 40 years was marked by absolute privilege. We tend to forget that about Moses. Moses was raised in the Egyptian court. I mean, he was adopted by an Egyptian princess with every amenity that that kind of upbringing and the most powerful nation in the world would afford. He had the best accommodations. He had the best food. He had the best education, the best training. The next 40 years, however, would mark an obvious time of transition for Moses, one that began with that faithful decision that he made that day to take out the Egyptian who was abusing the Hebrew slave Moses acted in a sense of anger. He was impulsive, and he made a decision that cost him his position of privilege. And practically overnight, Moses the prince becomes Moses the vagabond. Moses the refugee, we might even say. Wandering about in the desert, looking for a new place that he might call home. Until by God's providential leadership, he arrives at a place called Midian, and he begins a new 40-year career as an associate shepherd. Maybe Moses is reviewing that in his mind. I was a prince. Now I'm, in a, not even the sh- I'm an associate shepherd who doesn't even own the business. I'm working for my father-in-law. And maybe that grated on his spirit. It's Like Jim Collins, the great business guru who wrote the book, How the Mighty Have Fallen. Maybe that's how Moses felt. And yet God was far from finished with him. God had a plan that he was working, one that Moses couldn't see, couldn't grasp. And out of nowhere, out there on the backside of the desert, God showed up to Moses and appears to him in the form of a burning bush and basically tells him, you know what, big guy, I'm going to use you to change the whole world. And Moses can't believe it argues with God, and yet as he enters this next time of transition, God's going to use the next 40 years to use Moses to lead the nation of Israel in times of both victory and adversity toward the land that he had promised to give them. Moses, of course, would lead them to it, but he would not lead them into it. And for these last four decades, God had led Moses by telling him, you shall do this and you shall do this and you shall do that, only to now come on Moses' 120th birthday and say to him, you shall not. And it just doesn't seem quite fair. And how you respond to that is very important. You shall not go over this Jordan. So here's the thing, when God does that to you, and he will from time to time, you can either you, you have to determine how you're going to respond to that because there are a lot of people who keep looking backward and they never get out of the past. They keep reliving over and over again, like a junkie who needs another shot of whatever drug that keeps him or her going. They keep saying, I'm rewinding the videotape. Let's relive it again because life is pretty messed up right now. You can do that. You can dwell in the past and become bitter, or you can appreciate the past and keep moving forward in the glory of God. Moses could have thought 40 years in the desert for what? For what? All that sacrifice, only to now die in the desert and be buried on a barren mountain? When I'm so close to the promise, I can see it right over there. It's just on the other side of the river. But you can't think that way. You have to trust the sovereignty of God because that kind of thinking that keeps looking back chokes the life out of you. It throws you into a holding pattern where nothing productive gets done And it will, without a doubt, rob you of your joy. And that's no way to live life in the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 3, this one thing I do, and then what's the next word out of his mouth? Forgetting. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. And you have to keep doing that too in times of transition. And remember, when Paul talked about forgetting what it was behind, he's not talking about the disappointments. He's talking about forgetting about all the good stuff in his life. All the accolades, all the accomplishments, all the privileges that he had been born into. He's talking about forgetting all of that stuff. And he chose to do that. And that's why you have to quit living in the past. Whether it be highlights of the past or lowlights of the past, you have to get out of the past. Because nothing will hold you back as powerfully as either bitterness or pride. And when you look back at your past, you'll either land on one of those places or the other. You'll either be proud for all that you've accomplished or you'll be better for how difficult it's been. Either of those are poisonous to the life of the believer. And because they're not around anymore, if you're not careful, they'll rob you of your joy. And they'll keep you from moving forward into a future that God very much desires to bless. So are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. When it's time to transition, that's the first choice you have to make. I will move on from the past. The second thing this text reminds us is that we need to trust. Trust God's promises for the future. That's the second thing. Move on from the past, trust God's promises for the future because those two things go hand in hand. Forgetting and trusting always go hand in hand for the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, the emphasis shifts from the old leader to the new leader, to the new guy who'd been living in the shadow of the legend for 40 years. Look at verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give you, and you shall put them in possession of it. You know, Joshua is one of the rare biblical characters whose life and influence is consistently positive in the scriptures. You just really don't find anything negative overtly that's said in the Bible about Joshua. And when most of the time his name is mentioned, we think about that time uh, earlier, way back 40 years for, uh, earlier from this narrative in Deuteronomy 31, we think about that time where Joshua and Caleb were sent out with the other 10 spies to spy out the land of of promise. And they brought back a report that said, boy, this is a good land. This is Man, this is a land with abundance, flowing with milk and honey. And the other 10 kept saying, oh, yeah, but the giants. Oh, yeah, but the giants. But the giants. There's giants in the land. They'll step on us and squash us like we were all grasshoppers. And yet it was Joshua and Caleb, the only two that voted yay, which reminds us, even for the people of God today, the majority is not always in the will of God. Not always. And when you talk about all the churches of democracy, well, you don't find that in the Bible. The reality is the majority is not always right if they're not walking in the will of God. The majority cost the people four decades of judgment. And yet there were two that said, we can do this. It was Caleb who said it, but Joshua concurred. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And you know, maybe that was on Joshua's mind even. But they didn't do it. But I don't think bitterness, you know, Moses may have been struggling with bitterness, but I think that Joshua was struggling a whole lot more with fear than he was with bitterness. I mean, bold as he was 40 years earlier, it's totally different when the leader comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, you know what, I'm out and you're next. And that'll change the way you're looking at life. So said, well, I, I don't know the jo- Well, why does God tell him like 15 times here, do not be afraid? If he's not fearful, seems like only once would be sufficient. It's over and over and over again. I mean, Joshua is 80 years old here. He's not as old as Moses, but he's no spring chicken. Somebody say amen. He's a senior adult. And the role is now different. I mean, how would you like to follow Charlton Heston? Amen. (laughs) And that's what Joshua knew. I'm telling you, following popular, larger-than-life leaders, that's more of a curse for most people than it is a blessing. It can be a blessing. I mean, but just look, those of you football fans, just look at how many coaches Alabama had after Bear Bryant. I don't know, how many was it, 87, something like that? It was a bunch. Bill, uh, Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, Gene Stallings, Mike DuBose, Francione, Price, Shula, and Saban. And heaven help whoever has to follow Saban. Well, maybe not so much after last night, but... <laughs> he still has a statue, and he's still alive. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't want to be the guy that followed him. Listen, it's easy to speak with boldness and confidence when you're shouting from the peanut gallery. But it's different to be tapped on the shoulder and said, I'm out, you're in. What you gonna do now, big boy? See, those words have the power to cause more fear in more potential leaders than any other because now you know the buck stops with me. And you may not feel like you've got enough experience, enough education, enough training. You may not feel confident or competent for the task. Insufficient in a number of areas to lead, to make important decisions. And that's why the Lord says to Joshua twice in this passage, and then you go over to Joshua chapter 1 and another three times in Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Over and over again, be strong and of good courage, strong and of good courage, strong and of good courage, strong and of good, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Which is a pretty tall order to a senior adult that God's telling you need to lead a couple of million people carrying sticks and stones across what will be a swollen river that in parts were up to a mile wide and then when you get across, go up to the king in that city over there called Jericho, point your bony finger in his chest and tell him in the face of his army that's one of the best organized and best equipped in the area, you say to him, this is not your land. This here is our land. That's what your responsibility is. And you might be a little bit afraid too. Listen, when it's time to transition, particularly when the transition requires you to do a hard thing, the most important thing that you can do is to to trust God's promises for the future like this. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. And the most important promise leads to the third thing that I want to say. Transitioning, times of transition mean you move on from the past. You trust God's promises for the future. But then thirdly, you practice God's presence in every new day that's one of the great promises that God gives us is the promise of his presence as i read this passage it, uh, re- i was reminded that it's a tale not just of two leaders but really of three for the most important leader in the passage is the lord himself god's the most important leader Uh, Moses and Joshua, two of the greatest biblical examples of leaders that you'll find in Scripture. I mean, they serve the Lord, they serve the people of God in their own generation. But the best and most significant leader identified in this passage is God. And God's constantly saying, Here's what I will do when you get across the river. Here's what I will do with them. Here's what I'll do with your adversaries. And the thing about successful spiritual leadership is always predicated on the leadership of God in and through the human leader. Or to phrase it a different way, a successful spiritual journey is always directly related to how closely a person follows the leadership of God in their life. That's important for you. Because when Jesus came seeking people to be a part of the kingdom... He he never really, as best I can read in the New Testament, leadership is very important, but he never really called anybody to become a great leader. But he sure did call a bunch of people to follow him. And what that means to me is the most capable and the most effective leaders in the kingdom of God are those who most closely follow the person of God, whose name is Christ. Great leaders are always the best followers and following God's leadership. You'll never follow God's leadership unless you learn to practice daily the presence of God in your life. You got to know that the Lord is with you. And some of you are going through tough times right now. We've had several deaths in our church in recent days. And those families are going through their own times of transition Some of you have gone through other types of transitions that are hard, hard times, difficult times, having to do a hard thing. But Let me ask you this. What would you do and how would you respond if you knew without a doubt that God was right there with you? I mean, would that make a difference? If there was 100% certainty. If God somehow pulled the curtain back and allowed you to see the glory of his presence with your own eyes. Would that have any bearing whatsoever to the way that, you handled that time of transition. I think it would. And the reality is, it's an absolute promise of God. The same promise that God gives to Joshua, he gives to every single one of us. In fact, it's doubly repeated here in this passage of Scripture. When the promise is made, it first comes from Moses to Joshua in verse number 8. The reason you don't have to be afraid of your future, as threatening as it may seem today. Verse 8, the Lord will be what? Say it out loud. With you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then if that weren't enough, meaning that's Moses saying that to Joshua. And then if that weren't enough, we come over to verse 23, a little bit further down the text. Which is why you want to read the whole chapter, amen? Because you find that the Lord speaks those same words to Joshua himself in what we call a theophany, an appearance of God. Verse 23 And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun, and what? Said, Be strong and courageous. For you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be what? Say it together. With you. Literally, God's telling Joshua here, I will not drop you. I will not abandon you. When he says, I will not leave you, the word in Hebrew there is a word that refers to the relaxing of the hand. Think You mamas think about those times you go to cross your street with your little tight, maybe now or years ago. You had a bulldog grip on that hand, didn't you? There was no slight. You didn't just sneak, stick the pinky out and say, hey, grab hold of this. No, no, no. You had them probably not by the hand. You had them by the lower part of the arm, probably stretched up this way. Get yourself across here, you know. They're half dragging across there. you got them in a bulldog grip, and that's what the word means here. God says, I've got you in the grip of my grace, and I'm not going to relax my hand. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And then you turn the page to the New Testament, and you have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, saying that to his people. The same concept, the same word, the same promise of his everlasting presence. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Joshua, I'm sure, had his confidence bolstered, especially when that voice came straight from the Lord. God says, I'm not going to let you go in the middle of a hard thing. And brother, if you'll put your past behind you and if you'll trust my promises and trust my word and obey those promises and obey that word, you can trust that as long as you're here, I'll be right here with you and you'll be part of of something that the whole world will be talking about for generations and generations and generations to come. And I'll be dog, if 3,500 years later, we're not gathered together at the corner of Nine Mile and Guide, he's still talking about it. And the promise is just as true today. And you need to know it. Because the world is a dangerous place. And nothing will cause fear like times of unexpected transition that you're not totally prepared for. Joshua had two million people behind him. He would have a swollen river in front of him, a doubled-walled city on the other side of it, and the memory of a legend hovering all over him it was time to transition and the deck was stacked and you may feel that way today but the choice before you is no different i mean you can either keep walking in circles that was a choice of the people you can either keep walking in circles in this desert or you can move on from the past trust god's promise for the future by practicing God's present today and for every new day that God leads you into. That, brothers and sisters, is precisely how you and I keep moving forward whenever God shows up and says, it's time to transition. Move on from the past. Trust God's promises for the future. Practice God's presence for victory today and for all your tomorrows. God will be with you, and with God with you, how can you possibly ever lose? This is God's word, and all God's people said, amen and amen.